0: Welcome to Live, Love, Engage, the podcast where we share practical advice from a spiritual perspective on how you can live fully, love deeply, and engage authentically. I am your host, Gloria Grace Rand. Now, let your light shine. Namaste and welcome I am Gloria Grace Rand and I am delighted to have a guest on the show today who is someone who I uh, first found out about through uh, the wellness universe I got to hear her speak a couple weeks ago and she was talking about resilience which I know I think we'll probably go into a little bit today uh, in our show and her name is comedy wood And she is the founder and CEO of Live Joy Your Way. I like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the Authentic Me Rise Up program. And she's also an international best-selling author who is driven to support teens and adults struggling with perfectionism to let go of stress, overwhelm, and anxiety. She is a certified life coach, board certified, um, trained in conscious parenting and conscious uncoupling, and she helps to meet her clients where they are, supporting and guiding them on their journey back towards inner confidence, energy, and empowerment to be themselves, both personally and professionally, and which is perfectly in line with what we are focusing on in this podcast. So welcome, welcome, Kamini. So glad to have you here. Thank you, Gloria. I'm so glad to be here with you. Yeah, well, I wanted to get started a little bit on, maybe you can talk to us a little bit about your background and and what drew you to become a life coach. Yes, sure.
1: Um, I am actually the mother of five children, and uh, they are the catalyst that set me on my life coaching journey. So I originally was born and raised in Connecticut, moved to North Carolina when my husband wanted to start uh, his law practice back in 2005. And I was busy helping him manage his practice. And uh, as my kids started to get older, I started to notice that they were showing off these, especially my daughter, my middle daughter, um, people pleasing perfectionism tendencies. And that I refer to that as my catalyst because that is what led me to realize that she was emulating me. And if I didn't sort of slow down and do some self work and self transformation and really address the fact that I was a people pleasing perfectionist. And what I was doing was going from task to task on a daily basis, you know, checking the check boxes, living through this idea that I needed to be validated by others and and live up to these expectations. And if by chance, I, you know, dropped one of the balls that I was juggling, somehow I was a failure. Um, I realized I needed to change that and I needed to break that cycle and I needed to break that cycle for my children so they could learn a different way. And that's what got me going on this pathway of wanting to become a certified life coach, because I want to take, what I experienced and take my life experiences and then help others. Because what I truly believe is that those high achievers, those perfectionists, they um, there's, first of all, there's nothing wrong with them and that you can use it to your benefit. True. But to be, um, fully engaged in your life and, and be present in your life. It's not about checking boxes and going from one task to the other and just making it through life and putting on that brave face and, you know, dealing with the stress and overwhelm and, and, and you know, a muscling through. It's about being present in your life on a daily basis. And I truly believe that if we can empower people to shift certain mindsets and behavior patterns, they can truly be engaged in their life and truly, um,
0: energized and living presently in the moment awesome Uh, well i tell you i can so relate to what you were talking about because i think i i could say i'm a recovering perfectionist (laughs) myself because i definitely definitely oh and the people pleaser man that yeah i grew up doing that it was like one especially i was sort of the peacemaker in the house as well yep so yeah i resonate with that and and i love that it's, it was your kids, you know, modeling it for your children. Cause that's so important because when we see it in ourselves and then real, or well, see it in them and then go, well, where could they have gotten that from? <laughs> exactly. Oh dear. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You have to own it at that point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's good. And, and God bless you for being the mother of five children is looking as young and wonderful as you are. So <laughs> I stopped at two. They were enough for me. <laughs> um, but I know that you know one of the things, I guess, part of this and helping people to um, get over this perfectionism is is practicing self-compassion. So how how do you define that? Uh, the way that I define self-compassion
1: is that is three prongs. One is recognizing that um, it, it's it's common humanity, right? That we're not um, we're just humans having a human experience and we're doing the best we can. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's moving from judgment to, um, you know, this practice of, of recognizing that what you're doing is what you're, you're doing the best you can in the moment with the information you have and giving yourself that grace and that space. So when something doesn't go the way that you wanted it to go, for instance, you're Mm -hmm. able to slow it down and to say, okay, this didn't go the way that I wanted it to, but a I'm okay. B, I'm going to show up again tomorrow and see what did I learn from this and what can I take with me moving forward? The second prong of self-compassion is recognizing that you're not alone. So it's one, um, you know, learning to be vulnerable, having a support system where you feel safe to be vulnerable and to talk about the things that you're feeling. And the second part of that is to recognize that other people have gone through a similar experience. And while I'm very careful to say nobody can go through the same experience as you because we all have our own reality and our reality is – and our thoughts are what shape our reality rather. So as we're thinking certain things, that creates our reality. So no two people are going to experience the same exact thing the same exact way. But what we can remember is that they've had similar experiences and we're not alone. And so recognizing we're not isolated is a huge part of Mm self-compassion. And then that third prong of it is practicing mindfulness you know learning to slow it down not going from task to task you know when we get to an accomplishment not be like okay that's great now what's next it's (laughs) learning to say oh that's great let me you know acknowledge myself for this let me even the small wins you know let me acknowledge the small thing that I just accomplished today it's also learning to just get present in the moment so it might be when you're starting to feel that overwhelm or that stress it's learning to calm down slow it down you know do a couple breathing exercises and just get present in your current moment and so that's in a nutshell the practice of mindfulness hmm. so the those three things are what make up the practice of self-compassion
0: hmm. yeah that's awesome so when you work with people is that sort of is that a lot of what you help them to do is to give them different um, uh, skills and or, or tools I guess maybe well yeah skills and tools I suppose to be able to help that what would be what are some other examples of how maybe we how else we could practice self-compassion um so yeah I do do a lot of
1: um tools and then um slowing down and reframing of like how people see a situation because a lot of it um and a lot of when, when I talk about like resilience building for instance mm-hmm. um a huge portion of that is this idea of thinking flexibility. So it's learning to think about a situation in a different way because it's not, not everything in life has to be linear. And those of us who tend to be type A, we love to think of things in a linear fashion, but it's, it's recognizing that, um, I mean, even the even the stages of grief, for instance, it's not that you go stage one, two, three, four, and five, you bounce back and forth. And that's how life works. It's not, not everything can happen in this linear fashion. So it's learning to say, okay, this is the problem that I'm facing right now. What's another way that I could look at this? Or how else could I approach this situation? So it's learning techniques and tools to be a little more flexible. And also, um, especially with my high achievers and my perfectionists, learning to set boundaries like learning to say things like no (laughs) and it's okay to just say no and period you know there's not a no and then a justification or an explanation of why that thing doesn't work for you yeah Um, a lot of us tend to get into this justification um defending of why we think something and it's like oh well we don't have to do that we can just simply say this is what i think period, in the story.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's so funny. One, one of my very first clients was, was a life coach, and she, she had a talk that was called, no is a complete sentence. Yep, yep. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, yeah, I love that. So how does um, doing this practice of self-compassion, how does that relate to stress management? It seems like there's probably a little bit of a crossover there, I think. Yeah,
1: so with stress management, um, one of the things that happens is, you know, we, we get into the stage of overwhelm, where we think, um, you know, I equate it to um, those spinning plates, for instance, where like, we've got one plate spinning, and we're, we're right. pretty good, we can handle it, and then we've got two or three, and then all of a sudden, we have five, six, seven, or eight, and we're like, <laughs> trying to keep them all going, and right. the thought of dropping one, and it's just like... I mean, it's panic is what yeah. you end up feeling, right. and and it's that, it's that fight-or-flight feeling, um, and so this practice of self-compassion is huge because by practicing this, it slows that down. It slows down that cortisol release and slows down the need to fight-or-flight mm. because what happens is, is when we don't slow that down and we stay in that state for a prolonged period of time, we end up, our body ends up suffering trauma for instance but we end up in a state of trauma where if we don't address it you know suddenly now you're dealing with things like ptsd um because your body needs to come back down it can't constantly stay stay in this um hypersensitive state uh so in terms of how does it help you know practicing that self-compassion and slowing it down and recognizing you're okay you're gonna be fine Mm -hmm. um And piecing out like, okay, what's my next best step um, will help in that
0: stress and overwhelm management. That's awesome. Now, I know you work in particular, not just with adults, but you work with teens too. And I, I, I have a feeling it's probably, I suspect it's because of your own family um, maybe is where that really pulls you to. But have you found anything maybe unique about working with teens versus adults or, or are we all, you know, the same stressed?
1: <laughs> no, so it's interesting. I think the stress is very similar. I think the, things that, the, the, the issue that I find with the teen clients that I have is they have this extra layer of worry that what they say will get them in trouble Mm -hmm. right because they are still answering to parents or teachers Mm -hmm. there's this layer of and it's not to say adults don't have that you know like with spouses and friends and things we have a layer of feeling like we need to live up to their expectations but with with teens they've got this um and they've got parents that they're trying to please. And they've got teachers that they're trying to please. And they've got friends that they're trying to please. And the list goes on. And so they almost worry about actually um, being honest with themselves about how they feel. Like there are so many teens that I work with. And it takes like several sessions to get through where it's like, hey, you're safe to tell me what are you really feeling? And what are you really thinking? Because they want to give me the answer they think that I want to hear. Yeah. And so it's getting through that layer that it's like, you're safe and it's okay. And it, you know what? It's actually a good thing for you to see what emotions you have, because mm-hmm. what we need to stop doing is telling people, you know, and, and we get this even as young kids where it's like, Oh, stop crying. You're fine. You know, we tell them that it's, yeah. it's not okay to feel the feelings yeah. and put them in a container and put them away. Mm-hmm. But they need to learn that it's okay to have emotions and to see them and to let them rise and crest because when we don't do that, eventually they're going to bubble back up somewhere else.
0: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: And so that's the difference in the, in the issues that I tend to deal with with my teen clients is getting them to recognize like you are safe and it's okay to feel what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to talk about it because that's the other part of it is there's guilt and shame that we deal with. And what happens is as teens, if we don't learn to talk about those things and become vulnerable, we end up in our 30s and 40s and we're still hiding. (laughs) And we still feel guilty and (laughs) shame and we don't talk about things. And it's those things that we don't talk about that eventually end up affecting our relationships. Yeah. Because I do a lot of, I've been doing a lot more relationship work and you mentioned my conscious uncoupling work.
0: Mm -hmm. It's
1: not necessarily conscious uncoupling from another person. It's conscious uncoupling from your patterns, you know, the patterns that you show up with Mm -hmm. in relationships. And a lot of that comes down to where did, you know, what stories did you tell yourself growing up and where did that lead you to?
0: Mm -hmm. So, well, that's awesome. I I think it's so important, especially, you know, nowadays with the, uh, with the rise in teen suicide and everything and depression. So I'm grateful and, 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 that you are doing this work because it is so needed. And, and yeah, when you, when you said that, it's like, I'm I'm flashing back to when I was a kid. And absolutely I, the most important thing was, uh, you know, to be able to please my parents. Cause I didn't, you know, didn't want to get in trouble and uh, yeah, I can just see where, you know, and then you've got peer pressure on top of that. And so, yeah, so I'm glad that you were teaching them cause this is going to definitely help them. So they don't go through all the sh- stuff that I, I've been through. <laughs> and finally now, finally coming out the other side. So that's awesome. Um, is there anything else that you think would be important that you'd like to share um, with our listeners and uh, viewers about um, self-compassion about this topic? And
1: um, Self-compassion is just You know, it's something that people can take for granted. And so it's learning to just, um, it's not selfish also. I think that's the other thing that people tend to think is it's it's a selfish thing to have compassion for yourself. And it's not. I mean, giving yourself, taking the time to have gratitude for yourself and for what you're accomplishing is not a selfish task. Mm -hmm. Because again, it goes back to this. You can only help those if you've been helped. You know, you've got to fill your cup. And if you don't fill yourself up, there's nothing left to give the other people. And so recognizing that and recognizing it as um, a gift that you actually are giving yourself and then others rather than as a selfish task is a huge, I think, a huge takeaway for the importance of self-compassion.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. And if there is someone listening who would like to learn more information about, uh, your coaching and any other programs that you have, what's the best way for someone to connect with you? Um, I can be found on the internet at www.itsauthenticme.com or
1: email uh, contact at itsauthenticme.com. And I'm also on social media. So just look me up on Facebook or Instagram.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Awesome. And I will definitely have all that information in the show notes as well. So in case if you're listening in your car right now, don't worry about it. Um, you can go to uh well, go to gloriarand.com and you will find it there. Uh, but definitely, I encourage um, all of you to make sure that you subscribe to the podcast, so that whether on iTunes or Spotify or wherever, or on my subscribe to my YouTube channel, and that way you'll be able to uh, catch the next episode that comes along. And if you can also leave us a review, that would be great as well. So thank you so much again, Kamini, for being here. I appreciate it. Was my it. pleasure. It was my pleasure. Thank you. And I encourage everyone, as always, to live fully, love deeply, and engage authentically. One more thing before you go. As a valued listener of the Live, Love, Engage podcast, I want to help you shine your light in the world, not only while you're listening to the show, but all day, every day of the week. That's why I created the Live, Love, Engage Spiritual Awakening Community on Facebook. It's a place for you to gather with other business professionals and entrepreneurs who are committed to living the life of their dreams. If you want to be a part of this community and receive free trainings from me, go to LiveLoveEngage.com and request to join. That's L-I-V-E-L-O-V-E-E-N-G-A-G-E.com.